Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey everybody, welcome to another new episode of Undying Light. I'm your host, Pastor Alex, and you know, as always, we're right back at it with another new episode. And today we're going to wrap up chapter 18 on the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Mark, boy, Gospel of Matthew. I don't know where my head is at today. Uh, we are going to finish this chapter 18 of the parable of unforgiving servant. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And uh, then next week we'll dig into chapter 19 of Matthew. So... So I hope everybody is having a great Advent season. We are well underway now in the church and we are, you know, working and anticipating the day that Christ is born. And so it is a joyous celebration, a great time full of happiness and hope and peace. And I just, I love the season and I stress that every time I step into the pulpit on Sundays. I just, this is the whole point, you know, between this, uh, you know, like time of the year and Easter those are the points in which the church are just are just extraordinary places to be, and I love both of them. And I you know, and I even love the ordinary seasons too. They're fun. They've got some great in depth uh, teachings that can be had, and the scriptures are always wonderful to work through them. So I'm always thrilled to preach. I mean, it's I think one of the greatest gifts God has given me is to be able to deliver His word to other people. And I just had the privilege this morning of going down to our um, assisted living apartments and preach down there. They have uh, a weekly Bible study slash like sharing of faith type session. And so I come down a couple times a year and preach and the month of December is my month. And so I'm down there sharing and we're talking about the importance of the incarnation. And so we're looking at all of this text where we see God showing up in the flesh in the Old Testament and or appearing to people. And we're talking about how this is important in building to the focus of his coming to us in Christ. And so we are talking about that in-depth, complex topic of the incarnation. And so I'm really, really pleased with it. Uh, Today we worked on um, Genesis 14 and 18 and Hebrews 1 and Hebrews 5. Those were kind of the primary chapters. And we talked about Melchizedek 
and the mysterious man that he is and then how Christ comes in the order of that. So uh, really fascinating things. I really enjoy that study. Um, and I might do a series um, down the road on the incarnation for this show. So that could be something we do later on. But for now, <clears throat> we're going to work through the Bible and uh, and get a move on it. So just the only housekeeping thing, I you know, it's the same thing as last week. It's just if you want to help get my book published, um, I'm going to just go through Amazon. So I, I don't think I need near as much support now, which is wonderful. Um, probably going to be maybe less than $2,500, I assume. And that's going to take hopefully care of uh, editing and illustration and any other, the other costs, but I'm just going to have Amazon print on demand and I should have an ebook ready for it, but I'm not going to do anything extravagant with it. I just want to get it out and get it available and, and in a readable format for you. So if you want to contribute, there's a gift send go page and you can, you know, throw a few bucks at it. Uh, whatever you are able to give would be wonderful. Um, I would be deeply appreciative of it and that all the proceeds for that will go towards paying for, you know, the services to get the book published. So, uh, DM me if you have questions, the link is in my bio on Instagram. And, uh, I, I don't know if I put it in the show notes. Uh, I think I did. So I'll have to double check that, but I'll make sure it's in the show notes if you're uh, curious about that too. So you can just grab the link from here. Uh, so Matthew 18, uh, just a little bit of a precursor to it today. Just remember we've talked, uh, last week, and the week prior about the uh, nature of sin and sinning. We've talked about brothers sinning against ourselves. We've talked about making the little ones or the weaker Christians or the children stumble uh, due to our sin. And now we're going to talk about the unforgivable servant. And this is an interesting passage. And actually, really, I enjoy this parable. It's probably one of my more favorite ones to read because I think this really highlights kind of just the humanity of us. And it shows us the, the nature that we are as people. And I think this is a, uh, a parable that really can resonate amongst many people who are listening. So, and because, you know, I'll be honest, we've, we, I've been there uh, and I assume many of you have been there as well. And it's just the unfortunate side to, um, the, to, to, to life. It's just, it's not anything any of us are really proud to answer if you would, but uh, it's just, what it is, I guess. So let's look at it. We're going to start in verse 21. We're going to work ourselves all the way to the end of the chapter, which is the, for verse 35. And here we go. Then Peter came up and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And Jesus said, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And then he goes on to say here in 23, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And then when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity, the master of that servant released him and forgave him of the debt. But when the same servant went out and he fell one of his fellow servants, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went to put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported it to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, 
I forgive you all of that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not and sh- should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you. And in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he could pay his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So uh, a wonderful text. Again, the, the depth and complexities uh, that we see taking place in Matthew is just kind of one of those uh, always uh, always moving things. And uh, it's one of those that just is flat out. Um, it, it's an interesting gospel because it, it really shows the, the dynamics of Jesus's ministry. We have a lot of healing ministries where we see him curing the sick and uh, giving uh, you know, sound to ears, making the deaf hear, giving the blind sight and letting them see, uh, letting the maim, lame walk, casting out demons. And those are great and wonderful ministries that Jesus has. But, um, but this parable really signifies kind of the underscope of his entire purpose, and that is the forgiveness of sins. And so we see this beautifully demonstrated for us here of the, you know, what we are called to be as Christians, and that is a forgiving and understanding body. So Peter's follow-up question here to the instructions that Jesus has given, remember this is one seamless time period. This is one cohesive little discourse that Jesus has. So Jesus is receiving this follow-up question here from Peter on uh, how to treat a sinning brother. This goes back to verses 15 through 20. And Peter just simply says seven times, and Peter probably regarded this uh, as a suggestion and because they really were taught by the rabbis that one needed to forgive the same sin only three times. And so he's probably producing just this number that's kind of there and more or less probably just arbitrary. It doesn't really, there, there's not a purpose. It's just a, it's a statement. Do I have to just forgive him seven times? And you, you know, we, we could also tie in, you know, seven being the perfect number of God, the complete number and all that stuff. But <clears throat> I don't really think that's where we're getting this. I think it's just simply a number or a suggestion to kind of overemphasize what they have been taught by the rabbis. And then Jesus replies, no, 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 not seven times, but 70 times seven. I think I read that wrong when I quoted the scripture. I think I read 77 times. No, it's 70 times seven. Jesus meant that forgiveness has no limits. You are to continuously and forever forgive your people, your brothers, your sisters in Christ of their sin. You are to continuously forgive them. Uh, The 10,000 talents that is mentioned here, uh, the ESV note indicates that the debt of one servant was fantastically high, more than any one individual could ever hope to repay. So we have this, this servant, he's summoned in by the king, right? And this is just kind of the, the demonstration here that Jesus is giving because this parable is going off of these last few words, not seven times, but 77 times, right? Did I say, read that right? What am I? Oh my goodness. I am losing my mind. <laughs> I read it right when I read you the scripture and then I came back and was reading my notes and I read 70 times seven Oh, that's fascinating. Look at this. Uh, uh. So on my notes, so it, this is this is great because you get this raw. I, I I'm not going to edit this out. I'm I'm genuinely going to to keep this in here because I want you to understand this. The ESV Bible I have open on my screen says seventy seven times. 
And my Lutheran study Bible says 70 times seven, which is not a big deal, but it's, I mean, cause it really signifies like, an, you know, a really high number, you know, cause how many times could your brother sin against you? I mean, 70 times is a lot. 70 times seven is even higher. Right. And so I just think it's fascinating because the, the, even though the Lutheran study Bible takes it off the ESV um, Bible as their translations, there are some minor discrepancies between an, a standard ESV and the Lutheran study Bible. So there's, that's just, just really kind of an interesting thing we just discovered together. So kudos to, to all of you listening. So we're just going to say 70 times seven. That's going to be kind of our play number here that we're going to use. And uh, I think it comes out to like 490 if I'm not mistaken. That's a lot of times that your brother can sin against you. And, but what Jesus is really signifying, and this is what the king is signifying, is that this number is so high that it's just become arbitrary. It doesn't matter. You are to continuously, with no limits, forgive somebody. And so this king is seeking to, you know, retract his, the debts that are owed to him. He's looking to get paid for it and he wants to settle these accounts. And so he brings in this servant and this servant owes him so much money. Uh, the text tells us 10,000 talents, right? Which is just a fantastically high number that's just not going to be able to be paid by any, uh, any servant. And so he pleads with his master, you know, have mercy on me, have patience with me. I will, I will pay you everything. But in here, how to pity for him, the master of that servant releases and forgives him of his debt. I mean, that's really right there. The, the craziest understanding to how God works. It's, you know, have mercy on me, O Lord, I am a sinner. And, and in that moment, those sins are forgiven because Christ died for you on the cross and he, his death was significant for you on the cross, all of your sins. And all you have to do is acknowledge Christ died for you and your sins are forgiven. And so this is what that King is symbolizing here is God being gracious and forgiving without having any precursor or any prerequisite prerequisite or any other, any other thing here. The servant doesn't have to go and do anything. He's just freely forgiven just because the king is showing him mercy. So instead of the king having to order what would be a really degrading and protracted punishment for his debts and his family, uh, he freely forgives them. So the king is going to send sell this servant and all of his family and his children off to somebody else. I mean, that's a pretty pretty degrading move by the king. But he doesn't do that. Instead, this the king, out of pity, forgives this gigantic debt. So your heavenly Father will have will forgive your enormous debt of sin. And I and I think that's brilliant because one little sin creates a chasm between man and God. And there's no amount of wealth on this earth that could repay the debt that we have created by our sin. There's no amount of wealth on the earth that could do that. There's no amount of materials that we could use or um, good works that we can do or good behaviors that we can do that would ever close the chasm. No amount of wealth will fill the void. Nothing. It is so vast, so wide, and so deep that nothing could cross it except Jesus Christ. And so if the king here can forgive this outlandish debt, Jesus is telling us that the father can forgive you of your outlandish and enormous debt of sin. And so here, let's move on to verse 28. 
Um, the servant has now received the mercy. He has been forgiven of his debt. He goes out and he finds a fellow servant who owes him a hundred denarii. So the ESV notes this debt is a thousand times less than what the king had just forgiven of the first servant. The second debtor makes almost the same appeal as the forgiven servant. Here in verse 29 and verse 30, the forgiven servant, though, shows no pity to this fellow servant. And so he goes and has this person, the, the, the second debtor, locked up and put into prison. And then his fellow servants hear about this, and they're greatly distressed, and so they go report it to the master. And the master comes in and says, you wicked servant, not for running up some enormous debt, but he has refused to forgive a fellow servant. Now, he didn't go out and you know commit some sort of heinous sin, but he forgot, or he didn't, he refused, he refused to forgive his other servant. And so, again, this really isn't about the placation of sin, right? We, we have to understand a couple of things. If Jesus Christ died for our sins, those sins are forgiven on the cross. And yes, we will continue to sin. Yes, we will continue to stumble. But that won't keep us from the grace and glory and love of God. What will keep us from that is the heart of, and condition of ourselves. If God forgives us, then we should have the compassion and mercy to forgive others. That is the, that is the like Christianity 101. Because God has been so merciful to us and he forgives us of our sins, we should be merciful and forgiving to others. And that's what this servant, the first servant, the forgiven one, has not seen. He sees that he's forgiven. Therefore, he's going to go out and try and get more out of it. And that's really kind of, if you would, maybe some of the things that are happening in the church today where we have people who get for, you know get saved. They're, they believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. But then they go and try to get more out of it. They go try to get more money or more objects or more items out of the church or out of people because of that. And therefore, they're going to be just like this forgiven servant. They're wicked. And they're going to be uh, thrown into jail. And so this wicked servant here uh, is cast back into jail here. And the jailers often would torture the inmates. And the servant who refused to forgive was doomed. This condemnation represents the eternal punishment. So if you can't forgive others, right, that's like the premise to Christianity, then can you even claim to be a Christian? Because that's like in our blood, right? We When we read the Lord's Prayer, uh, Father, forgive me of my sins and help me to forgive the sins of others. I just paraphrased it, right? But forgive me of my sins and help me forgive others. I need to be able to forgive people. That is the mon- mantra or motto, motto, whatever you call it, the of the Christianity, right? The, you have to be able to forgive sin. And I really don't know how to say it any other way because it's like it's so cut and dry that if you are a Christian and you believe that Jesus Christ died for you, then you should have this compassionate and loving heart that no matter what has happened to you, you can forgive other people. And, and I'll tell you what. I've been in the ministry three years. Uh, last Sunday marked my three-year anniversary here in Stratford, which I'm so thankful to God to be. And I, I'm I'm so thrilled with this whole this whole premise of being here. And one thing I've really learned in these last probably six months is how broken some of my relationships in my life have were years back before I became a pastor. And I'm trying to reconcile some of them. 
and I still need to reconcile some of them. And I, I really, I feel in the bottom of my heart that no matter what happened, it needs to be done. And, and I'll go on the record to say, you know, my sister and I have been alienated for a number of years. And just these last probably six or eight weeks have been really heavy on my heart to reach back out to her and try and reconcile this relationship because I miss my sister. You know, we used to have a great, great relationship. We used to talk all the time. We used to make fun of each other. We used to make fun of our brother. The three of us used to make fun of each other. I mean, we, we had, we, had, we were, it was great. And, and it, we screwed it up. And, uh, you know, I still talk to my brother all the time when he's not working 60 hours a week, but yeah, so am I at this point. But it, it breaks my heart, you know, and, and I think one thing people kind of forget about pastors is we, we're humans too. We, we, we commit sin. Um, we have broken relationships with people. We, we falter and stumble and have massive issues all over the place. It's just as much as anybody else. And I don't want any of that to harbor me from being the God, the man of God that God has called me to be. And so I read this passage and I think this is exactly what God has placed upon my heart this week. And I will, by golly, muster up the courage to send her a text and see if we can maybe reconcile ourselves. So, um, yeah, that, that just happened on, on the, on the recording. So anyways, let's get back here. Um, so the second servant is let free. Uh, we don't really see that take place, but we, we would assume that he's out of jail. And uh, the first servant, the forgiven one, has been thrown into jail. And like I said, the, 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 the heart of the Christian should be to be forgiving, to to signify that we can love others. And if we can't do that, then we will endure eternal punishment. And, you know, I read this and I read this in connection to like, Matthew 25, which we'll get to in a couple of probably months at this stage. But when we get to Matthew 25 and we read about the sheep and the goats and we see how the goats are cast into the lake of fire, that is like a signifying to a passage like this where the goat would be somebody like this. They they received the forgiveness that was offered to them, but then they decided that it wasn't good enough and they needed something more. And so they go out and they try to achieve something more. And that's exactly what we're going to unpack, you know, down the road. So Jesus summed up his teaching about how Christians should act to one another, going all the way back to verse 1 of chapter 18, by repeating that our Heavenly Father expects those whom he has forgiven to forgive others. This is back to chapter 6, verse 15. The blessing of forgiveness is the defining gift of the church. No other institution can offer this heavenly blessing. It is the church and the church alone that can offer this and the church body. No other religion has such power. No other religion has such has a such institution that can do such a thing. Nothing else under the sky has the ability to forgive like the church and the body of the church can forgive. That's where we are. That's what we're called to do. So Jesus summarizes this little discourse and he you know, breaks it down into that note that if you are going to be a Christian and got and, and receive the mercy that God has given you, then you ought to share that mercy with others. So Jesus teaches that God has forgiven us far more than we will ever be able to 
we will ever be able to even fathom. We, we can't even call upon all of the things that God has forgiven us if we, if we request that God forgives us of our sins because we've committed so many more that we'd never even notice. Our willingness to forgive a brother or sister is grounded in God's abundant mercy towards us, as Luke points out in chapter 23, verse 34. To forgive us is to exercise a childlike faith, verse 3 of chapter 18. Pray for such a simplicity of heart. Trust likewise in the simple, enduring love of your gracious heavenly Father who daily forgives you of all of your debts. That's the beauty, right? Jesus' forgiveness has no limits. There is nothing outside of the scope of God that he won't forgive out un, unless it's unbelief. If you don't believe, God can't forgive you. And that's just that's just the reality of what we face in the church. So pretty cut and dry, but a really fascinating um, parable because we see the correlation between the life of the, of the Christian and, and the mercy of God shine thro- through this. And for those who cannot love and forgive their brothers and sisters, the result is going to be eternal punishment. And that's just, there's nothing, you know, nothing that we can really do about it, but that's just what's going to take place. And so, um, you know, I don't want to keep you on here by me droning on and on about stuff, but that's really the passage and that's really chapter 18. So now we're going to get into 19 and, um, we're going to see just here in this first verse. Now, when Jesus had finished these sayings, they leave. And so now we're moving on. So this little discourse in chapter 18 is over with. And uh, we're going to get into uh, 19. We're going to talk about some divorce next week. That's going to be great. I'm sure I'm going to offend somebody. But, um, you know, if you listen to the show and you've made it here to this point in the episode, I want to ask you for something. Um, I'm going to be as vague as I possibly can be because I, I think I have a few church people who listen to this show. But please pray for for me and my church. I am I am trying to do a couple of things, and uh, I'm going to need godly wisdom for it. And I don't want to be too vague, but I don't want to be too direct, you know, and it it deals with a couple of individuals and we're, we're trying to do something that hasn't been done in a number of years. So a lot of things are taking place in my church and I really could use some prayer in connection with what I'm praying for. So, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. It is Sunday. It is Advent season. I pray that you are able to partake in the sacraments I pray that you are able to come into church and glorify Christ and hear the anticipated message of his, uh, of his birth. And one thing that we're doing in our church right now through Advent is we're t- connecting the birth to the return of Christ, the uh, unexpected period uh, to the manger and the unexpected period to his return, that kind of the already but not yet understanding. And as we do that, we're looking at the Advent candles this year and looking at each uh, theme so we looked at hope and peace in the last two weeks, and this week we're going to look at love. And so I've picked a particular passage that I'm going to preach on that signifies God's love and mercy. But the interesting thing I'm going to really hammer out is if God forgives you of your sins, what good is that forgiveness if all we do is die at the end of our lives? If there's nothing else after this, if Christ isn't returning, if we there is no eternal life, what good is forgiveness of sin? And can we trust the promises that Christ gives us? So that's what we're going to look at this week in our sermon. So if you're interested, I'll, it'll be up on our, our church's YouTube page. DM me if you want to link to it, and I'll get it to you. But other than that, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. I hope you have a wonderful and blessed week. I will see you all later.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.